And we're back with another episode of Under the Cardboard Box Podcast. This is episode 45. Heidel, how are you doing today? Doing great, man. How are you? I'm well, man. I'm just glad that we uh, were able to sit here again and talk to you guys, the MGS fans, UCBP. You guys keep us going. Uh, we're so excited, man, because we've we've actually got some news today, like more news than usual. Finally, I was looking at my Twitter feed and I saw Metal Gear Informer posting a lot more than they usually do. And I was seeing a bunch of different news, whether it's from Kojima to the Metal Gear movie to other certain things that are coming out. Lots of news for you guys this week. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and we've been receiving a lot of commentary on our uh, new series in which we talk about possible stories that can fit into the Metal Gear world and uh, that can be possible spinoff games. Um, so we've got one for you guys today. We hope that you like it. Uh, but of course, first off, we'd like to start with the news. So what you'll be hearing about today is a Metal Gear Solid movie. To, uh, to span multiple time periods, uh, the number of owned nuclear weapons in MGS5, August 18th update, Kojima gives his thanks to Konami, interesting, and Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, now available on Xbox. Heido, are you ready to start the show? Let's start the show. The CB News. So, if you'd like to know where we get all our Metal Gear news, you can head on over to MetalGearInformer.com, just in case you want to get it before we, um, you know, do our show. But you can also find articles and other interesting things that would appeal to any Metal Gear fan. To the news now. So, Metal Gear Solid movie to span multiple time periods, question mark. Uh, this was a pretty interesting interview. Um, so... They had an interview with the website Dan of Geek, Jordan Volge Roberts. I'm sorry if I butchered your name, uh, who will direct the upcoming Metal Gear Solid movie. So it's, this is a thing, right? And uh, they talked about his ideas for the project, direct, uh, uh, directing a big movie like Kong Skull Island helped Volge Roberts get a shot at this franchise. And according to the director, producer Avi Arid, uh, had a good understanding of what he's going to do with the story. We're interested in knowing what you're going to do with the story too. And I quote, It's like, fundamentally, Metal Gear, so Metal Gear is about the cycle of pain, and it's about this effed up weird family soap opera. And it's about ideologies, and it's about characters and philosophies, and it's about playing with tone and it's about so many different things. But a lot of those things are conceptual ideas. So I will be able to go in and say and have that moment to say, here's what it needs to be. If you don't want it, if you don't want to do this version, just say so now and let's split paths. But with Kong being what it was in a post Logan Deadpool world, they all kind of said, okay, let's make the version that I have pitched. Uh, it seems that the movie at this point isn't a certainty yet, but Volge Roberts does believe they are currently heading in the right direction. Huh. Yeah, uh, I, I found that a surprise. I thought it was kind of like, all right, you have the movie, you're ready to go. So I didn't know that it was necessarily like still up in the air. I actually didn't know that until I read the article. Yeah, I mean, I see, a, I see a few things. Um, it's just like, okay, so it's not really telling us much about the movie. Um, 
and what it will entail and stuff like that, or how it will span yeah. through them. But if we if we go, you know, lower into the article, uh, it says increasingly, interestingly, it sounds like the movie will cover multiple time periods and not just focused on one point in the series timeline. The Metal Gear timeline spans a century and several generations of characters, and fitting even part of that in a single movie seems like a challenge. I agree. Oh, yeah. I agree. It seems like Volge Roberts is well aware of this, but still wants to try and pull it off. I I don't know if I necessarily like that he's going to experiment with, you know, obviously something that hasn't worked out in the past. Yeah. Where you try to fit in so much into like two hours or two hours and a half. It, it could be a little hard, especially when it's hard to tell a story, right? So large as Metal Gear within a two hour uh, time span. Um, especially because it's just so different. Each game has fundamentally changed um, over the course of each game, right? So, in order to fit that, it'll be it'll be pretty challenging. I can't really see like I'm seeing Psychomancer one moment, and then I'm seeing like you know Pliskin the next. I mean, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, yeah, Pliskin or or Fat Man the next, or something. You know, or the end. Um, it'll just be a little hard. I'm not sure how he can pull it off. Um, he might have to go like maybe do things non-canon from the game. And that that's just my idea. Maybe, you know, adding certain characters uh, to the movie that probably wasn't part of, um, you know, like Metal Gear Solid 1 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we're just going to have to see. But as I said right now, it's not even a certainty. Yeah. So, I mean, this movie could possibly never even happen. Right. Period. Let's see what happens. But moving on. Number of own nuclear warheads in MGS5 August 18th update. So, I don't know if... I haven't said this yet, but I recently just got the title Hero for my FOB. My heroism went all the way up. So, I can now start attacking people who have nukes, even though I don't have a nuke. So much fun. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start... I'm going to start adding to this. Well, or rather, subtracting from this. I'm going to try to take some nukes. That's right. So, so you finally uh, uh, beat me in number of FOBs. So there you go. Saw that on Xbox. Took me a while. <laughs> so PS4 went down by 12. They're at 1888. Uh, PS3 went up by 23. They're at 903. Xbox One went up by 9. They're at 222. We're so close, Xbox. Uh, Xbox 360 is went down by 1. 363. And Steam, of course, it is still... Uh, it went... It actually went down, but it's still the top contender at 9,498. Sheesh. Yeah. Now, I wonder, will you get that video if you take out all the nukes on one platform? And yes. by that, I mean, one like if it was just Xbox and all the pla- all the nukes were gone, would you be able to get that video? So the way they explained it is, yeah, it's by platform. So if you finish it on the platform, then yeah, it'll be done. So that's why it's kind of split up into a platform. That's it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. There's 200. And 22 on Xbox One. I'm going to take out all those nukes. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's go together. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Next on the news for all you Metal Gear fans. Uh, so, it seems that Metal Gear Rising Revengeance is now playable on Xbox One. Yes. What a great game to put uh, into backwards compatibility. So, I was talking to uh, you about this last week, and we literally set this uh, last week we were just like, yeah, I wish we could. There's a way to play it more, you know. Isn't that crazy? That is kind of crazy. 
you know. Um, and yeah, it looks like it's available. Do you think, because I saw the comments, do you think that they could possibly add the other ones to uh, the like the HD collection to Xbox One and, and you know, PlayStation 4? Of course they can. The, the question is, will they? Konami. That's the, uh, that's the question, yes. It's up to you. Please, let us. Uh, and further down, now this one is an interesting title. Yeah. Um, and you'll be talking more about this, but Kojima actually gives thanks to Konami. So I found this very interesting. Super clickbait, by the way. Super clickbait. So good job, Metal Gear Informer. Um, so in an interview with website Tokei Zai, probably butchered that. Sorry, guys. Uh, Kojima talked about his days at Konami, where he worked for 30 years before creating his own studio in December of 2015. Kojima says he's grateful to Konami for letting him create what he wanted to create. He says, quote, what I'm grateful to Konami for is that when I propose something I wanted to make, they let it they let me make it. Conversely, I wasn't bound by them saying you need to do it like this. End quote. When he joined the company in around 1987, the development team he was in consider inconsistent of only I'm sorry, he said the development team he was in consisted of five people. You need a comma there, but that's right, Metal Gear Informer. Uh, during those days, he only slept three hours uh, a day, but because of those small teams, creators had a good overview of the game development progress, which isn't so common anymore these days. Kojima says that when he turned in a proposal for a game he wanted to make, describing the aim, development time, and staff needed, he'd get the green light. He said, quote, it was like that from when I joined to the end. Because of that, I'm the person I am today, end quote. Uh, so there you have it. I mean, that's something he just let out to the website. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but that's uh, pretty good of him to do that. Uh, you know, obviously, he worked for this company for many, many years. He was uh, obviously like the forefront of it. When you think of Konami, you thought of Kojima, not only because of the, of the name uh, that sounds similar, but because, I mean... Metal Gear, you know, you think of Metal Gear and you think of that. So, uh, yeah, it's amazing that he he said this. It's uh, pretty weird that it comes out now instead of like during the whole debacle. But maybe uh, in hindsight, he's like, hey, you know, I think we're just all game developers and stuff. And I've, you know, we've had like a year apart from each other or two years or so apart from each other um, where we can kind of reflect and look back at all the good times and remember those times. What do you think about that? It, it just brings confusion, honestly, to me, because weren't they in a, you know, for all this time, we were thinking Konami are bad guys. Yeah. And then this kind of article comes out where he says, they gave me liberty. They gave me yeah. all the freedom. They, they never said no. So I'm like, where, where is the trouble stemming from then? If that's the case, it, it makes me, and this is not even me being like a Konami fanboy or anything like that, but it makes me rethink and say, maybe they weren't the problem. Maybe maybe Kojima actually pushed too far. Well, we know Konami is the problem because of that uh, article that came out um, a long time ago, and you know how the way they treated their employees. So we know that is true. That's fact. But yes, we and we also do know that Kojima is. You know, he's not the easiest to work with because he takes so long in development time and he always goes over budget. Right. So working with a developer like that as a publisher could be difficult. 
of course. But this could be either two ways. This could be what I said before, either reflecting, or it could be Konami sending Kojima, uh, hey, you better stop, or hey, this, you know, come out with an article or something, some type of threat that couldn't say, like, you know, we're, you know, we have legal actions against you if you don't say this or whatever. Could be that, or it could be exactly what you just said, where, um, you know, it maybe Kojima was the problem or something, you know? So, who knows, you know? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not doubting that the company has hit skeletons, but the way that it made it seem, right, like when we first got this news, it was all Kojima. I mean, it was all Konami. Konami, yeah. Like, it was all Konami's fault. It was all this, you know, but you and I were trying to stay like, what, what are the facts, you know? Whether or not they're a terrible company, that's a different story. Yeah. Whether or not Kojima left because they were terrible to him, that is... Uh, a little different for me to kind of especially after hearing something like this because he has no contractual obligation to say any of these things yeah he's not he's not under them anymore well he still is from talking about um certain things of konami right he's still he's still on the contract with that which he hasn't legally he's binded to that but he hasn't done any of that he's actually thanking them in this one yeah um but you guys let us know it under the cardboard box at gmail.com and uh, let us know what you guys what you guys think about this whole debacle. So the last piece of news is Mads Mikkelsen not yet done shooting for Death Stranding. I mean, how more obvious can that be? I mean, you you signed a contract for life when you decided to do this game. I'm sorry to say it. Right. So during Comic Con Seal, Mads Mikkelsen, who is set to play a major role in Death Stranding talked a bit about his experiences working on the game. He also confirmed that they aren't done shooting yet and he has to come back to do more scenes. He was asked about his experiences regarding the differences between acting for a film and for a video game. He said, quote, It's very different. It's enormously different. I mean, the scenes are very small. It's a very physical approach. You have a lot of wires and cameras. You are in a green screen room and you do a lot of it's not dynamic in that case sense. But he makes it dynamic because we have to go through all kinds of facial expressions, all kinds of movements. So later on, he can mold it to whatever he wants. So basically, we give him all the tools and then he can create whatever he wants later on. The host then asked him if he would want to do it again. Mads answered laughing, <laughs> yeah, I have to because we're not finished yet. He also added that he finds this super interesting uh, and he thinks Hideo is a fantastically inspiring man. His brain is working on a different level than anybody else, so I can't wait to see what he's doing with it. Uh, I can't wait either. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait till this game comes out. I mean, I don't know what it's going to be about. Well, I, mean, I don't, you, think, I don't you, think Mads knows what it's about. You literally can't wait because you'll be dead before it comes out. Yeah, no, that's true, man. You're <laughs> absolutely right about we'll that. So our grandchildren who is going to... Leaving a legacy. Leaving a legacy and still hosting Under the Cardboard Box, episode 10,000. Let us know uh, how this game turns out to be. Are you guys excited about Death Stranding? I mean, you know, let us know. Let us know what what is it that is appealing to you about this game from the very little that we know. Is it it a fetus retus? Is it... uh, (laughs) Is it Milkison? You know, is it is it just Kojima, or do you believe that he'll make a really good game? Can you do you think he can step out of Metal Gear and kind of make a game that's completely different from it? We'd love to know under the cardboard box at gmail.com. Guys, also our GMP is low. 
uh, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, as far as our Twitter goes, we've actually we've got we've got 337 followers now, which is great. Thank you guys for joining us there. Remember, guys, like we said before, you can catch all of this at MetalGearInformer.com. The Codec Conversation. So if you heard our last episode, uh, episode 44, we concluded with something that works around, you know, uh, from lightning to sun, which is kind of the gap between part two and part four in which uh, Snake and Raiden team up to find Sunny. Uh, but this week, we're trying to wrap our heads around what else we can think about. And we couldn't think of a full-fledged game. Yeah. But uh, you let us know if it could be a possible handheld game or a cheaper game. And this one is surrounded around, um, we decided to call it The Man Named Fox. Uh, And we wanted to kind of talk about what a DLC consisting of Gray Fox would look like. So we know in the story of Gray Fox that he was rescued by the boss several times. One as a child, and then he's a kind of like a young adult in um, Portable Ops. Uh, you know, this given the premise that, you know, what Big Boss said, you know, he said he knew the child and, you know, what they did to him was was horrible. But then we never hear from him again until part one, which is kind of like, okay, so what's the story between that? Why is he so loyal to the boss? And, you know, their story between him and Solid Snake. So there's a little, Heido and I were talking about this, and there's a little, there's a little uh, inconsistency with the story. Yeah. Now, follow follow us on this one. Follow Which us. is going to be hard to work on if we're trying to do these canon games. Right, right. Yeah. So so follow us. And Kojima, if you're listening, we, we'd like you to answer this. So here's the thing. Here's the premise. So we believe, right, that Solid Snake was not trained by the original Big Boss but rather Venom. Why? Because of the premise of Metal Gear 2, Solid Snake, you're speaking with Miller, and in part one, he knows who Miller is and has trained with Miller. And if you remember the part, you know, the end of part five, um, you know, Miller is not a fan of Big Boss because he finds out Venom is not the real Big Boss. And instead of wanting to team up with the real Big Boss, he says he's going to train his children to go against him. So what makes it confusing is because Gray Fox, we know he's stuck with the original Big Boss, given the premise that he's known him all this time. But if that were true, how could he have trained with Solid Snake, given that Miller didn't want anything to do with the real Big Boss? Yeah. And of course, Ocelot must have left sometime in that timeline. So I'm I'm trying to think of how does this all make sense at all? And it doesn't. And in my opinion, you let us know it under the cardboard box at gmail.com. Heido, what, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, we were talking about that before. And the cohesion between... So- I think the, the problem here is Miller, right? Miller's... Um, I guess, defiance towards Big Boss, but also the relationship between Solid Snake and Gray Fox. How are they so good friends? As they mentioned in part one, you know, how are they such good friends if 
logistically they weren't supposed to meet you know um or train together at least because the only logical sense that they will know each other or something is because they trained with each other right that would be the only logical sense just going back into the story so so a little bit uh we were talking you know and there's a little bit of a loophole on that where it's like okay so how can they you know right um maybe gray fox knows both venom and big boss maybe possibly um but we we definitely don't know we we really don't know um right we just want to surround this game though about gray fox knowing the premise of this little loophole which is kind of important to know because it can kind of set the rest of yeah 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 um the history of it so and it could be it could be a chance for them to correct it you know yeah yeah let us know maybe miller left mother base for whatever reason and then that's when they join together but then you know there being two big bosses and stuff like that was snake really that confused to not notice that you know one big boss was different than the other of course this given the idea that uh venom still had the shrapnel in his head yeah and the scars on his face so you can kind of tell the difference right so here we go metal gear solid the man called fox right he is the only man in the canon of course because there are plenty of soldiers in um metal gear solid 5 if you fault in them that some of them are called Fox. Yeah. But he is he is the only man given the code name Fox. And he was literally like, other than Venom, Big Boss's best soldier or most trusted soldier is what they say. So there has to be a buildup. Now, this DLC could possibly exist for Metal Gear Solid 5. I would enjoy it. Like if they if they say here's a $20 dlc the man called fox and it would be like a story breaking down you know gray fox's story with the engine and stuff like that it'd be pretty cool in my yeah. opinion yeah you know and it can be done konami it can be done you know so we've we've got gray fox and this this amazing story about him and this tragedy like there's so much that can be poured into this based upon what he said for instance he met naomi on the battlefield when he killed her parents. Yep. You know what I mean? So what does it Man, look that would like? That be an excellent, like, just scenery yeah. story kind like, of thing. What does it mean to take care of this little girl now? Will it be like she takes her back to mother base or whatever the case may be, and he comes and sees her from time to time, and the scenes that happen? Yeah. Like, so instead of a love interest with Gray Fox, which I don't think he had, mm. maybe it's more like... Father-daughter kind of thing? Well, brother, sister, it was how um, Naomi, Naomi put it. Put it gotcha. Right? Meaning they probably weren't far apart in age. No, he was much older. She how old? It, she, she made it. Well, she was like maybe nine or eight when he found her. So he was around 20 and change. Gotcha. Okay. So he was older than her. But he decided, he decided to take care of her and he never told her he killed her parents. You know? Um, and she found out. She'd never found out actually. Because remember at the end of part one, before he died, he said, tell her, tell her that I, it was me. Tell her I'm sorry. Yeah. And um, Snake never told her. He said he wanted me to tell you something. He loved you a lot. And, you know, so he never really yeah, he told. Lied. Yeah. yeah, he lied to her to spare her her feelings. And uh, just based on that and the relationship with Big Boss and 
maybe how they trained and just you following Big Boss into battle probably or following his orders. Can you imagine playing as uh, Gray Fox and through the codec, all you hear or the radio, you hear like Big Boss's voice giving you orders? Yeah, yeah. Or like like the codec conversations um, would be between him and Big Boss. Two screens kind of, you know, make it different like they did in every game, but kind of like you know it's between him you know like, right hey, right I'm here what, made, what made him his most loyal soldier what yeah, made him yeah you know they, there's there's story to this there's 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 um substance to it um you know also how the training with snake would fit into such a thing yeah you know that development like maybe you don't even get to play as solid snake it, like if you notice well we're, we're talking about games that kind of like fit in and, and fill in the blanks and make yeah, sense yeah. and stuff like that there's, there's a timeline between these things, but there's also gaps between them. So um, you have to look really look at the encyclopedia on Metal Gear Solid 4 to really see those gaps. Obviously, we know a lot more of those gaps because of 5, but you have to see the gaps between like part 1. And there's a bunch of gaps between uh, the Nintendo ones, for part 1, all the way to uh, Metal Gear Solid, right? There's a lot of gap between that. that can There, there could be a story. Um, and it's funny because I think the way that Hideo Kojima had it in his head to do it is Raiden is like another development of Gray Fox you know he's kind of like that other you know another super soldier and he has influences from obviously Olga and you know being another Gray Fox looking whatever and stuff you know and it's like developing on that like Big Boss trained Gray Fox and Solid Snake semi-trained Raiden you know introducing him to to this, you know, so it's kind of like, man, was maybe Hideo Kojima giving us that answer a long time ago in part in part two, where he was just like, hey, this is the next Gray Fox. This is like kind of like the hybrid version of him. Well, we know we know Kojima loves nostalgia. Yeah. So he repeats things over and over again. So kind of like Gray Fox was with Big Boss, right? And was with Solid Snake. Yeah. And that would be like his, you know, protege kind of thing. Yeah. Kind of a deal. Um, and you know, Solid Snake never really trained Raiden in that sense. No, but he Raiden was trained to be the next Solid Snake. He did all yep. the simulations and stuff like that. But back back to Gray Fox. Um, Gray Fox has a very uh sad story. Uh, one in which you know we know how it ends. Yeah, so. we know how it ends. But you know how they say it's not the de- you know it's not the destination; it's the journey. Yeah, that's kind of like where we want to get. So, I mean that that's our idea. Uh, we'd love to know more details of what you guys think, uh, how this would work. The man called Fox. Um, what would be implemented? Maybe, maybe, maybe it could be more than a DLC. You let us know at under the cardboard box at gmail dot com, or at UCB Podcast. Follow us there on our Twitter, and we'd love to share ideas and kind of bring them up. Uh, so. You guys can catch the Codec Conversation here on our YouTube page. Please feel free to subscribe uh, for more Metal Gear content. Or you can actually find our stuff, the full episode, in any of your podcast services. Uh, So we'll catch you on the next one. Who's that? It's trivia time. The moment in which we, uh, we quote a line from any Metal Gear game. All bets are off, and uh, the person has to answer who said it to who, in which game, and where. Now, Heidel, 
Are you ready? I'm ready. So here we go. Americans, so you shoot women too. And then the person says, I'm a nomad too. Wait, say that again? One person says, Americans, so you shoot women too. And the other person responds by saying, I'm a nomad too. Okay, I think this is from Metal Gear Solid 4. And Solid Snake talking to one of the octopus ladies. <laughs> and um, You know there's only one octopus lady. Oh, that's right. Yeah, one of the, one of the you know <laughs> what I mean. Um, one of them. And uh, yeah, Metal Gear Solid 4 in. Oh, yeah. I mean, four different locations. Sure. Man. I don't know. I'm going to go with, with pa- Paris. Paris. Paris? France. France. Okay. That is not where that's from. Okay. Where is that from? It is from Metal Gear Solid 2. Oof. When you meet up with Oga and you're holding her up and he says, I said don't move. Right in. No. Snake says it to Oga. Okay. He said, I said don't move. And she looks at him and says, American, so you shoot women too. And he responds by saying, I'm a nomad too. Smart. Smart response. Yeah. So that's our trivia. That's our trivia. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we'd love to know what you guys think. Give us your ideas at under the cardboard box at gmail.com. But for now, Heidel, we've reached the end of our episode. That's it. This is the end. Uh, yeah, man. Long week ahead. Uh, I didn't mention this, but I got a new job. Um, I am so happy week. for you, man. Thank you, man. It's exciting. I started writing my resignation letter and everything. Good. Yep. I, I heard you did that. Yep. I heard you did that. I'm glad you did. Because, you know, he's going to get me a job and stuff, apparently. Uh, uh, supposedly. Supposedly. So, supposedly. That's that's the rumor. That's the rumor. Um, No, man. It's been great. I started last week, Monday. I have summer Fridays, so I don't work Fridays awesome. until September, which is awesome. great. It's a fantastic job. I'm the director of school partnerships, so I just pretty much open up school programs all across the city um and yeah i know most of you heard that episode where i was just like you know when i finally quit and i was excited and i was happy and stuff um but yeah man this could be a great opportunity for so many things um yeah just uh just happy man what about you no man i i'm i'm glad i really am glad when you told me i was genuinely happy for you and you. i appreciate that man i appreciate that you're able to work again and stuff like that. So thank God for that, man. Uh, me, on the other hand, I actually got a new phone. Nice. So I, as many of you guys know, I always spoke about my Note 4, which I love. But uh, over this weekend, my phone cracked. My uh, The screen cracked. So how did that happen? Uh, well, one, it once, uh, the first one happened when it fell off the table while I was, um, I was playing Xbox. And oh. that created a small hairline crack. But the second one was a little more intriguing. So I just learned this from uh, one of my friends who uh, he does glasses. Francisco. Love that guy. He's a listener of the show. He actually got into Metal Gear because he heard our show. That's right. So that's I awesome. remember that. Uh, Shout that you message. out, Frank. Yeah. There you go. But digressing. Um, Jen Snake. <laughs> in any case. So apparently I was in the car. We, I was on my way to a meeting and I was using the GPS to kind of like guide me there because the screen was still fine. Like it was fully functional. Um, and, you know, the AC was blasting. You know, it's a hot day. 
And so when mm. I pull the car over and I open the door, suddenly another crack just hits the phone. Like out of nowhere. And yeah, yeah. I found out that it was because of the instant change in temperature. So now it could be because, you know, it was already cracked. Yeah. So the foundation w- was weaker than usual. But yeah, that's what happened. And so this then like the the whole left side of the, the screen, there was like some bluish color and stuff like that. I could still use my phone, but it was annoying. Yeah. So I said, I'm going to have to get a new phone. And this was like a month prior for the to the Note 8 getting here. So I was like, man, but I, I really want the Note 8. But so I just decided, you know what? I'll get, I'll get a cheaper phone, but a good phone that I'll enjoy yeah. using. So for I now have... Well, if if I decide to get it, because yeah. I still have to pay it off. So I'll probably just pay it off and then get the note. Because yeah. you know how phones, when they first come out, there's like glitches or some mm-hmm, problems. Mm-hmm. You wait a couple of months, they fix it. You got so the better product. Right. That's what I'm waiting for now that I did this move. So I went into this after researching this for so long, uh, because it's not the first all weekend. Time. No, it's not the first time I've looked <laughs> at it. All right. Um, I was interested in the V20. I don't know if you guys have an LG V20. Let us know under the cardboard box at gmail.com. I'd love to know your stories, but I've been looking at this phone for a while and it's a, it's on paper. It's a really good phone. People have been reviewing it and saying it's a, it's a, it's really good for making media and watching media. So, and other than that, it has an IR blaster and a removable battery, two things I like and I use. So I decided to take a leap of faith and buy it. Go for it, man. I already did. Now, <laughs> I already did. I already did. But, you know, there are some things as I'm testing it. It's a great phone. There are some things I miss from my last phone, but I, I'm sure I can get over it. Um, but, yeah, that's that's my day so far. And also, I've got a retreat, a youth retreat I'll be going to next week. Next week. So we're going to try to pump out the episode. Uh, well, we're going to try to record the episode uh, prior to me leaving, so you guys can have an episode there. Uh, but man, that that's about it, bro. That's about that's that's me right now. Looking forward to this retreat. It's good, man. So, well, I guess I guess it's fair to say we can end on this note, huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, my name's Arnoldo. This is my main man, Heidel. You guys are UCBP, and yeah, we're signing out. And that's our show.